0: Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hey, everybody, this is Joe Lynch, and welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast.
1: Very, very cool topic and great guests today. The topic is Why Logistics Companies Are Upgrading to Mobile Payments with Robin Gregg. Welcome, Robin.
2: Hi, nice to be here.
1: This is a hot topic. Everybody I talk to seems to be want to talk about mobile payments, and I think they're starting to be almost like a, you have to be that. <laughs> That's some of what I'm getting from some of the conversations I'm having with you and other people. But before we get into it, Robin, please tell us about you, your company, where you live, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So uh, again, my name is Robin Gregg and I am the CEO of RoadSync and we are a payments company located in Atlanta, Georgia. Our goal is to make payments simpler and faster for the logistics industry.
1: Excellent. And you are very, very smart to be down in Atlanta because it is snowing in the north. I know, <laughs> we Michigan. feel sorry for you
2: all. <laughs> we're upset. It was in the 50s today and we were uh, bemoaning that. So I guess we shouldn't, we shouldn't complain.
1: We win the summer because it doesn't get hot as hell like down there. It gets hot, but not like Atlanta hot. And then I think we do well in fall, but we lose winter badly. Tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you study at school? That kind of thing.
2: Sure. Yeah, I grew up in West Virginia. My dad actually worked for the National Park Service, and we were located just a few minutes from the midpoint of the Appalachian Trail in a little town called Martinsburg, West Virginia. So that's where I spent most of my childhood. And then I went to undergrad at a school called Washington Lee University. Interestingly enough, I was a 10-year co-education class. So it was all male until about 10 years before I graduated, which made for an interesting experience. The women's bathrooms, they still had the men's facilities in them. So it was kind of an interesting experience, experience. And then I got my MBA from Harvard Business School, and I became a fintech person after that. I actually started my career at Capital One. And worked on a medical lending product for them for several years. And then I worked for a company called Revolution Money, which was trying to be a new payments network, uh, interchange-free payments network, and also have peer-to-peer money transfer capabilities, kind of like PayPal. We sold that business in early 2010 to Amex. And I did not want to go to New York at the time. I wanted to kind of stay in the South. And the time I was in a business in Florida and decided that maybe Atlanta would be a great place. Atlanta is where I think something like 80% of all payment processing is run through businesses headquartered in Atlanta. So it's definitely a payments town. And I came here and worked for a company called Fleet Corps, which at the time was focused on fuel card payments, basically solutions for businesses with vehicles to allow their employees to purchase fuel and not things like flat screen TVs. And that business just ended up being a rocket ship. It was a really fascinating experience. We IPO'd about 12 months after I got there and I had a great seven-year career there. It was really a lot of fun thinking about new products to help people make purchases in in a controlled way and allow their businesses to function a little bit easier. And then I decided I wanted to do something entrepreneurial again. And I've been advising this company here in Atlanta and they were focused on helping warehouses invoice and accept payments from truck drivers. They were kind of going through a little bit of a management change and weren't sure how they were going to move forward. And I saw the product in action at a few facilities here in Atlanta. I was just really struck by how paper-based the whole process used to be and how much just this little simple thing, which was just helping people verify and accept and deposit checks and create invoices, was making things really much more efficient at these warehouse facilities. And that there's a huge opportunity, given how big the trucking industry is and how many payments are taken in and around the industry to help digitize the space. And so I was really keen on jumping on board. I rebranded the company and raised a little bit of venture money for the company. And we've been off to the races since then.
1: Nice. You covered quite a bit there. So I want to uh, just clarification on two things. So you said fintech, and I think that means financial technology. Am I correct? That's right. Tell us a little bit more about that. And you said 80% is in
2: Atlanta? 80% of payments processing
1: is in Atlanta.
2: Yeah, so all of the big payment processing giants are here in Atlanta. People like WorldPay are located here, Pfizer, First Data. It's just really the place to be if you want to be in a business around payment. It's really a great city for what we do. Not only are we in a place where there's lots of payments and financial technology-related talent, there's also a ton of people who are related to the transportation industry. UPS is located here. There's quite a few trucking-related companies that are here in either Atlanta or even in sort of just the Southeast. So if you think about the two big industries for Atlanta, logistics and you know payments are really pretty much it. It's a really big focus here for the city. So it's a great place to have this business.
1: I did not realize that. That's, that's incredible to know. I had just recently interviewed Craig Fuller from Freight Waves, and he's in Chattanooga. And the topic was, why Chattanooga is the Silicon Valley of trucking. And I had read that maybe a year before, and I always wanted to have a podcast. And it's one of those things where you go, what? Chattanooga, Silicon Valley? Those are two separate things. I guess Atlanta is one of those payment place, huh?
2: Yeah. I don't think we call ourselves the Silicon Valley of payments, although I suppose we could lay claim to that. But yeah, it is. It's definitely a very concentrated place for that type of talent. There's lots of pretty well-known payments-related companies and just fintech-related companies. Cabbage is a lending company that's one of the few unicorns in the Southeast. They're like two blocks from us. It's a fantastic place to have this type of business.
1: Yeah. Flexport's down there too. I have some customers there. So it's interesting what Craig Fuller said, and he was kind of reiterating what Steve Case said is that this next wave of innovation is not going to happen necessarily in Silicon Valley. It's going to go where there's that critical mass of talent and companies and money. And so if there's going to be a mobility startup, it's going to be Detroit or maybe Silicon Valley, somewhere where you have a whole bunch of those engineers already there. But it seems as if there's going to be a new payment startup, it's going to be down in Atlanta.
2: Well, it certainly should be. This is a fantastic place to be. The talent pool in Atlanta is excellent we have lots of tax advantages for being a fast-growing company in Atlanta and Georgia. We are located right on Georgia Tech's campus. My office is in an incubator where we get subsidized rent. And we're right here in Georgia Tech, and we have access to fantastic talent.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah, it's a really great place.
1: I love college towns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, sometimes the popular restaurants closest to the office are not quite my jam. A little bit <laughs> too, much, uh, too much fatty food, fast food. But yeah, no, it's great. It is great to have sort of the whole college vibe.
1: I live near Ann Arbor and there's all sorts of like restaurants where I go, oh, okay, just vegan. Oh, just vegetarian. Oh God. Only sustainable. Farm to fork. I'm like, just, I just wanted a burger or a steak or something. well,
2: you probably do better here. We have like Waffle House and pizza and hamburgers.
1: (laughs) No, I don't need that.
2: (laughs) Not the healthiest choices, but I'm sure pretty tasty.
1: So while we were prepping, we talked a little bit about you were educating me on how payments work. And I said, I thought everyone was using some sort of technology for payments at this point. And you said, no, there's definitely a lot of people still using paper processes. And I think, you know, one of the things of kind of just playing devil's the advocate, I say, well, I know there's advantages to upgrading, but I could also just stick around and do my paper process. What what would be the problem with that?
2: So. If you think about what we do as consumers, we have long abandoned paper checks. It's been a long time since most folks have carted around their checkbook everywhere they went. You know, my parents are still appalled when they notice that I don't have any cash in my wallet. But a lot of people operate that way, right? But, you know, in the B2B world, it's not quite there yet, even though these same people as consumers are, by and large, operating paperless. And it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's a reason why technology and automation is much better, and a digital process is much better for payments than paper. If you're transacting on paper, it's just slow. It's slower to process. You have something you have to deposit. You might need to handwrite things like a receipt or an invoice. You're more likely to make errors because you're doing these things in a hand, in a sort of manual way. And if you're working in a place where you have your employees who are doing this for you, you don't have great oversight into them and what they're doing. Are they charging the right amount? Are some of those payments walking away? Are you having problems with theft and fraud? These are all things that are that businesses that we're working with have to deal with on a regular basis. Cash flow is also a problem if you're dealing with paper. It takes longer. You have to wait for the checks to clear and do a deposit. It. You might even be waiting for checks to come in the mail. It's just hard to have kind of a clean picture into your business and how cash flow is being managed if it's not digitized it's just less visible. And on top of it, do you have a perception issue? You're not looking like the most modern partner to work with, especially in an industry that is trying to modernize and it is trying to improve and become more efficient. If you're still the one doing things in a paper based way, you may not look like the right partner for some of these pieces of the business.
0: We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. You said five things. You said it's a slower process. So the workflow
1: overall is slower. And I agree with that. More errors, that's part of it. Less opportunity for auditing and kind of catching those errors. More opportunities for theft or fraud. That makes sense. Paper I can sign down the back, robbing Greg, and head off to the bank and steal or just screw up. And then you mentioned cash flow. So I'm getting my checks slower. I've got this whole process that's slower. Now maybe I have cash flow issues. That's not good for any business. And then last but not least, we are kind of going over that technology makeover in our industry, and no one wants to be looked at as a laggard. I heard the same thing from my web partner, the guys over at Sunant. We've done some websites together. My brother-in-law, Matt, is one of the managing director there. And he said, it's amazing how many tech companies in this space have crappy websites. And it's kind of hard to make the pitch that, yeah, we're this high-tech partner you want to work with. Oh, and by the way, here's our 10-year-old website that is not secure by Google. <laughs> There's some definite perception yeah, no, issues there. Yeah, no, definitely.
2: And I, I think the same goes for the user experience for some of the technology products that are available in the logistics market. They're getting better. I was at Craig Fuller's event, Freight Waves. I think he calls that Freight Waves Live in Chicago a few weeks ago. And I got to see demos of a lot of the technology products in market, and they have gotten a lot better over the last couple of years experience is much more user-friendly and consumer-like. But that's really a relatively recent innovation. I think that, you know, they used to be years behind and did not look like the latest and the most streamlined and the simplest to use and didn't make use of kind of the most current techniques and tactics to kind of make it easy for people to adopt and automate some of their business processes.
1: It's an interesting dynamic when you get into all of these things combined because. If it is slower, more errors, more opportunity for fraud, cash flow, all those things. Why isn't everybody just making that upgrade like right now?
2: Change is hard, right? And I think that the, the thing I've really come to appreciate, up until recently, I had not really been as aware of the complexity of running some of the businesses and the spaces that we serve. And there's just so many problems and challenges that these businesses are grappling with. And payments are just one of them. Sure, it's easy for people to roll out and implement our products. But, you know, we, for example, when we roll out in different warehouses, we typically try to schedule a time for us to do a quick webinar, show people how it's used, and then they can usually get running in like 30 minutes. And we once had a customer who had to put it off because they had a gas leak in one of their facilities and had a massive safety issue and, you know, had to clear the space out. And then they had to deal with the downstream impacts of that. And these are just businesses that are always have other challenges. And so... Automating some of these business processes can't always be the priority. Some of these businesses are relatively thin margin, and you know, having someone to even manage the process of implementing a new piece of software can be challenging. With our repair and tow clients, sometimes they're challenged with literally the business owner is underneath the truck, so even like you know, getting him to sign the paperwork and do the training, scheduling that can be a challenge because they're prioritizing the business, you know, the main objectives of the business first. Some of these things seem simple, but they kind of can be hard when you think about it, the myriad of things that these people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And so we try to be really sympathetic to that and flexible and make our products as accessible as possible because it's just hard. And I think anyone who serves this industry needs to understand that.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And I should say I've spent most of my career in automotive and I had done, you know, supply chain and a lot of logistics stuff prior to leaving kind of the automotive space and I worked at a 3PL where I was the general manager, and I would try and have staff meetings. And when I say try, the big joke was, you can never sit down with the whole team for more than 15 minutes without the phone ringing and somebody running out to get it, and typically coming right back and saying, Tom, Mary, Jim, come on out. You know, I got a quick question for you. We never had complete staff meetings. Also, I do a lot of training and coaching now. I always would prefer to work with people late in the day or even on the weekends because it's so difficult sometimes to get their full attention. And that's not even people who are driving the trucks or owning the trucks. That's a whole nother dynamic. You could be on the road.
2: It's a 24-7 business. We actually have a woman who's dedicated to onboarding our clients and she starts her day every day at 7 a.m. That's her most productive hour to get in touch with our clients. You know, those are the lives they lead, just like what you describe. And it's very chaotic and you know, we have to kind of appreciate that and appreciate where we fit in.
1: So let's just assume I have a little third party logistics company, no assets. And I want to make that switch from all this paper process. And I call up Robin over at RoadSync and I say, Robin, how do we make this go? Just walk me through that process. Is it a big investment? And then how long does it take to get that to happen? Do I have to do it all at once? Is there a drop dead where I no longer use my old process? How's this work?
2: Well, today we primarily serve people who are taking payments from brokers and carriers and drivers. For the most part, our clients are warehouses or food distribution centers or even freight handlers or repair shops, and they're all trying to invoice and collect payments from from truck drivers and carriers. So one of those types of clients, if they wanted to use our product, what we typically try to get them to do is see a short demo. If they see it, it usually helps them kind of internalize how they can use it and it fits into their business process. We're also able to configure the product to basically use their rate schedule. So however they charge for things, what are the things they want to make sure are charged on every load? What are all the things that they want to make sure that their employees collect as far as data? Make sure that those custom data fields are in their setup. And then we make sure that we can collect all the types of payments that they want to take. Anything from ACH payments to debit card, credit card, fleet check, we make all that very easy for them and they can choose to accept or not. They can even track cash if they wanted to, if they still wanna do that. Our system makes that easy for them to do and we can get them implemented in about 30 minutes. Super simple, a demo, then it's a, you know, a 30 minute setup call. And then we usually walk them through their first invoice and transaction and usually they're off to the races, If they have lots of employees, we can train them for them over the phone. But for most of our clients, they're able to really switch over in, in a day. It's pretty straightforward, and the product is super easy to use. We don't charge setup fees at all. We just charge a small monthly platform fee, and then we charge them on the transactions that they process, and that's it.
1: So there's no big upfront that I have to pay?
2: No, it's very easy.
1: Obviously, they get all those benefits that we talked about. It's a faster workflow fewer errors, less opportunity for funny business by bad employees, cash flow is a little better, Perceptions, obviously better. All You get all those benefits, but no upfront investment, just a monthly. And is that monthly? Can I justify that? Can I look and say there's an ROI on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have customers who sort of were reporting to us that they were losing anywhere from 4 to 10% on theft and fraud alone. So it doesn't take much.
0: Whoa.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that surprising, really, when you think about it. It's not always deliberate fraud. I mean, sometimes it's just they're not collecting what they should be or billing correctly.
1: In my experience, and I've seen some of this in action, is, is usually more just overwhelm and negligence, not so much fraud. So I know what you mean.
2: Yeah, right. So it doesn't take that many mistakes to really justify the product for the folks. Sometimes people think that things at their facilities or their locations or their business goes perfectly. But, you know, I think for the most part, people realize that these things are happening, especially if they're not the ones personally handling
1: each and every payment. This is great stuff, Robin. Thank you so much. So why don't you summarize, again, those problems that the paper process has and then kind of the advantage of upgrading, as we talked about. Again, the topic is why companies are upgrading to mobile payments. So tell us why.
2: Yeah, if you're still doing everything in paper, that means you have a slower process and workflow, your drivers are getting stuck, and you're not able to kind of complete your transactions and get on to the next job. You're more likely to have more errors. You're more likely to be subject to theft and fraud, which we just recently talked about. Cash is probably harder to manage. It's slower. You might be waiting for paper checks and not have that visibility you're also not using the most modern options and creating the best experience for the payers as well as your employees who are sort of supporting payments. So a lot of reasons why a paper process is not the best and we make it super accessible. I mean, it's so easy for us to set customers up. We can do it in less than an hour, not a lot of upfront cost. It's just a very easy thing to adopt and we make it very accessible. We're really proud to serve the industry. We only work with businesses in and around the transportation industry. We really understand how they operate We have a lot of sympathy for how hard it is to run their businesses, and we really just want to do whatever we can to make it easier.
1: I really like that you specialize in transportation and logistics and warehousing and all this, you know, the people serving the supply chain, because I know there's a lot of good products out there that would say, oh, we're agnostic. We don't care about the industry. The fact that you've kind of customized your service offering, your product towards us is important, I think.
2: Yeah, we think so too. I mean, I think it's very unique how this business operates. The data that they need to collect is a little bit different. The format of the invoices needs to be different so people can get reimbursed later. There are lots of things that are kind of very unique to this industry. And we think it's important that the products that serve the industry understand that and understand how they do their business.
1: Robin, before we wrap this up, tell us a little bit about RoadSync. If someone wants to continue the conversation, no more. What do they do?
2: Yeah, we're available at roadsync.com. And we also are available on Twitter at GoRoadSync, S-Y-N-C. Would love to connect with anyone who's interested in learning more about us.
1: This has been a very interesting topic. And again, I think that it's time has come. It seems like everybody's making this upgrade right now. So what I'll do, Robin, is I'll include your website and your Twitter and your LinkedIn profile so people can bug you for more information. Fantastic. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you being on here, and I appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. See you, Robin. See you, everybody.
0: Till next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics Podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics Podcast, please email Joe Lynch at Joe at the logistics of logistics.com.